Welcome to Cisco Champions Radio. Today we'll be talking about journey of adoption of cloud with Bill Thompson and Tom Davis from WWT. Our Cisco SME is David Klebnow. Our Cisco champion hosts are Jeff Levensailer and Network Chuck. And I'm Teresa Sonal from Cisco product marketing team and I'll be the moderator. Okay, Bill and Tom, can you introduce yourselves and your roles at WWT? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Tom Davis, I'm a practice lead with, uh, within our Network Solutions Global Engineering Team practice um, and uh, based out of Washington State. Nice. And Bill Thompson, I'm a practice manager for Network Solutions, uh, driving the technical strategy from everything from the data center out to the WAN and out to the LAN. Excellent. Great to have you. David, do you want to tell us more about yourself and what you do at Cisco? Sure, yeah. Uh, thank you for having me here. Um, so my name is David Klebanov. Uh, I'm actually a technical marketing manager uh, within Cisco's Enterprise Networking Business Unit. And uh, I focus on SD-WAN as a technology. I came to Cisco through the acquisition of a company called Viptela, which is basically what we now have as a Cisco SD-WAN powered by Viptela product. Excellent. Jeff and Chuck, do you guys want to tell us about who you are, what you do? Sure, so Jeff Levensailer, uh, OG Cisco champion. Excellent. Original, um, <laughs> DevNet creator, and uh, senior collaboration engineer with Presidio. So at first I was thinking this is not the podcast for me, but maybe <laughs> with the audience I'll have a kind of beginner's perspective. And I have uh, done a little bit with cloud. I've been with AWS for the last, doing some things with AWS for the last six months. So have some perspective there. Awesome. Well, um, I'm Network Chuck. I basically just make YouTube videos about IT and networking. Um, I'm actually excited about this because I uh, have been creating an Azure course. So I'll be getting into Azure and um, cloud adoption and seeing how we can move everyone to the cloud. It's, it's a big deal. Uh, the adoption's happening and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm really happy to have all of you here. So let's get started. Awesome. Right. Yeah, so let me just ask the first question. Uh, what is SD Cloud OnRamp? Percolo. What is it? Um, so uh, I think the biggest thing that I could do uh, in terms of explaining it would be it, it's essentially bringing the cloud edge into a Cisco SD-WAN architecture easily, right? So enabling customers the ability to connect to their public cloud applications as well as the SaaS applications that they leverage as well, uh, closer to their end users who are con the consumers of those applications. So it's interesting. I was reading a little bit about it and it, it seems like you're treating the cloud like another branch office. So it's no different, the connectivity and the, the, the routing between the two, it's, it's almost like it's a branch office. You're literally deploying a vEdge in Amazon Web Services or Azure and it's phoning home and now it's a part of your network. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, I would say there's some key differences, though. You know, it's not our traditional way of architecting the WAN. Uh, this is a way where we can start regionalizing some of our sites into a uh, co-location facility to drive better adoption of uh, cloud strategy, right? Uh, it's quite a bit different how we have to think about how we design these networks today because our applications no longer reside in a private data center. They, they're all over the place. Things like O365, things like AWS. How do we know what the best place or the best path for our user to get from where they're located out to the actual applications they need to consume? Right, right. You, you guys, you guys are right. Yes. And the way that you called it is that kind of treating your cloud as, as a branch. 
Um, I think um, the way I would look at this is that we want the same operational experience when you adopt those public clouds, uh, such as AWS, Microsoft Azure, uh, Google Compute. So you want to really have the same common operational experience, uh, whether that's a branch, a campus, an on-premise data center, or if that's a cloud data center, right? It should not make a difference. Obviously, there are some unique characteristics to the cloud and how the cloud is architected, but we really want with the cloud on-ramp um, philosophy specifically the cloud on-ramp for IIS, we want to make sure that we abstract that from, uh, from the network engineers or from the people who don't want to know the intricacies of cloud service provider networking and say, okay, why don't we just create this layer of abstraction, give you a single tool um, to operate it, which is the Cisco vManage, which is the same tool that allows you to manage the entire SD-WAN fabric and the same tool can also um, now manage your cloud presence in the infrastructure as a service. Yeah, I think, and I think another way to look at it would be your end user experience of those applications, right? So as, as organizations move workloads to the cloud uh, or they adopt SaaS applications into their enterprise, um, the first thought would be what's the end user experience of those applications? You know, they're not necessarily going back to their on-prem data center to access corporate applications anymore. So they, they don't know where those applications live oftentimes. So the, the introduced latency has a negative impact from an end user experience. And so when you look at cloud on-ramp for Colo, it, it gives you the ability to bring that application closer to the end user, thereby reducing the latency and improving that experience. So, uh, and, and, you know, along those same lines from a security perspective as Bill put, is you know a lot of a lot of organizations have strict regulatory compliance mechanisms in place to where or policies in place to say you have to go through this this firewall vendor this firewall stack in order to be in order to access that application. Cloud on ramp for Colo gives you that ability to move that stack closer to the end user, closer to the application, while still being secure. So. Right. Uh, back in Viptela, I can tell you kind of a bit of a history lesson here. <laughs> when we were at Viptela, um, we were very strong advocates of regionalization of services um, for different reasons, but we advocated and we saw customers um, or prospects are looking towards um, where do I put my you know, security controls? Where do I put my cloud access? Is everything anchored at the branch location? And many times it was, yeah. uh, but there were situations where it wasn't. And then customers were really looking at what is that point that I can regionalize my services so I don't, if I have a hundred branches, do I need a hundred firewalls? No, maybe I need just four firewalls for four co-location facilities. Yep. Now, we did not have the automated way of making it happen. So it was more like do-it-yourself approach. So we give you the architecture, we, we kind of, together with the customer, we would realize that this is the good way to go. But since after that happens, then you're like, okay, now you're on your own. Like you go and you deploy the routers and you deploy the switches and you do all the configurations and there would be nothing pretty much um, that we would do until the point that that router comes up at the call location and that's when vManage will take over managing it. Yeah. And uh, with what we've just introduced um, in the most recent release of our code, which is 19.1, if anybody's following. Um, and that's really that automated way to allow customers to say, okay, I got it that collocations bring a lot of value to me, but can you please um, help me with operationalizing and deploying it through the same tool, which is vManage. So don't yeah. tell me to build it myself. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what we've done. We basically created a very simple to consume product. And uh, from ordering standpoint, it's just one product ID. And so you don't order a lot of things. Uh, you just order one product ID. And what gets shipped to you as part of this product ID is at minimum get uh, it's two servers. And we use uh, CSP, uh, 5444 
which are kind of a beefy UCS servers, a lot of uh, compute capacity. And we use um, two Catalyst uh, 9540 switches. And um, at minimum, you're looking basically at the footprint of four devices, two servers and two switches. And we would tell you, here's how you should cable it. And we'll give you, give you pretty much kind of like a cabling diagram. And uh, say, so, okay, you cable it like that. And once it's cabled and turned on, then vManage takes over. So it's not a very typical way of thinking about it because vManage is, um, is typically uh, thought of as an, as an SD-WAN management tool uh, which manages routers. In this case, we're talking about Catalyst switches and CSP servers and the virtual services VNFs that I deploy on them, right? And all of that is now managed through the single pane of glass of vManage, right? So it really transforms that um, vManage from just being a single sort of a um, unidimensional domain controller for uh, SD-WAN to be doing more than just routers. Now can do switches and servers and hypervisor and virtual switches on the hypervisor and VNFs on it and do the stitching and service chaining through those VNFs. So it's really that kind of a one-stop shop for everything that you want to happen in the colo, which could give you regionalization of services such as cloud adoption or security or whatnot. So I'd like to uh, second what David just said. Uh, you know, at WWT, we put this in our labs and we're testing it out. And from unboxing the gear and putting it into the rack, it was up and running within 45 minutes. I can't stress enough the value to us was in the orchestration by vManage. Many times we, we have challenges in implementing all these things. If you look back the last few minutes, what we talked about is Colo, security, SD-WAN, uh, uh, cloud optimization. All these different components in the past had been managed via different places. Now I've got one place to go and I simply create some templates and I push it out there and it's all configured and running. I think I think another way to look at that, and I 100% agree with both you guys. I, I think another way to look at it would be um, WAN network agility, right? Giving you a lot of options and a lot of tools to design your WAN architecture uh, based on your current existing architecture, as well as your existing investments and then your current initiatives towards maybe public cloud adoption or SaaS adoption. Uh, this gives you know with with a cloud on ramp for IAS, cloud on ramp for SaaS, or cloud on ramp for Colo gives you a lot of agility in terms of how you connect to those different applications, regardless of where they are. So uh, I like that. I like that agility. So what would you say is the, the biggest driver for this push? It's pretty cool to be able to put like a kind of a Viptela in a box in a Colo. And that's a 45 minute setup. That's amazing. What was the, some of the biggest drivers for this? Yeah. So um, interesting. Um, there are several use cases behind it, and in fact, cloud is one use case. Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples. So cloud uh, on-ramp for SaaS, right? So um, you're a customer, you want to transition from an on-prem exchange server to an Office 365 in a cloud. You call up Microsoft to say, what's the best way to do Office 365? Microsoft says direct internet access. Branch out at the branch location. Um, we'll catch you at the closest Azure pop. <laughs> we'll get you into the Azure network. We'll deliver you to your mailbox, right? Awesome. What happens if that local loop connection experiences some performance degradation. What do right. I do, right? I need to reroute around those things, right? So the cloud on ramp for, uh, for SaaS says, great, you have this, but it's degraded. Is there an alternate path to go through? So in a you know, couple of months ago, we would have told you, yeah, go through the colo. And then the next question a customer would ask, well, great, but how do I build the colo? 
right? So now we have this answer to say, great, if you leverage the two features together, right? You have the solution for steering the traffic, which is the cloud on RAM for SaaS, and you have the collocation infrastructure, which is a cloud on RAM for collocation. Now those two solutions brought together, are going to allow you to effectively route to Office 365 through either DIA or the colo, right? So that's one example. Uh, there's other examples where colos are useful for um, things that are not necessarily cloud. For example, we've advocated for a long time, how do you transition into SD-WAN? And our safest approach to transition to SD-WAN is establish transition hubs. This will be the places where your overlay network, the SD-WAN network, and your underlay network, which is the non-transitioned traditional routed network, meet together, and then we would interconnect the two domains in those places. And then the question is, well, where does that interconnect happen? If it happens in my data center, that's potentially too far. So I need to, I, I incur, you know, extra latency to get my, to get traffic to the data center be, uh, from each one of those domains just to make the interconnect. Then we would say, okay, let's regionalize it. The next question is where? Collocation. <laughs> How do I build a collocation? Okay. So I see the circle here. You see the circle here, right? So there's interesting cases where basically before that, we just told customers to just do it yourself, deploy it yourself. Now we can have this fully automated collocation rollout. Um, that um, that you can do, and I'm extremely happy to see our partners, uh, which is in fact uh, an awesome opportunity for partners to um, to do this in Colos and offer this as a service to customers who don't want to do this themselves, even though it's automated through vManage. If a partner um, is managing their SD-WAN deployment, they can also provide an extra level of service to say we are now going to also roll out this co-location facilities and design in those co-location facilities in mind. Oh, wow. So basically, a customer can either just take this, if, even if they don't have a data center, a co-location, they can just get one set up, put that in there, and they're, they're good to go. Right. Or go with a partner like you guys. And, and right. You still you need a facility, care. right? I mean, you right. still yeah. need yeah. cooling, yeah. rack space. Yeah. <laughs> not, not your closet or bedroom. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if a, if, a, if a partner has a facility, right, and we're using co-location, as kind of a loose definition, uh, because collocation could be anything. It could be partners' own data center, right? So collocation is is a is a physical space that provides a cooling, power, rack space that can put a couple of pieces of gear and hand it over to be managed for for management. Um, so so partners, it's definitely an awesome opportunity for partners to kind of get on board with this and offer this as a service. That's awesome. Now, as far as the security portion, I mean, that's obviously a huge concern. Uh, what are some of the things that we can expect from the solution and kind of have our minds at ease? Yeah, I'll, I'll comment. Um, so the first thing is, you know, uh, you know Cisco SD-WAN has had direct Internet access for a long time. And, and David mentioned a couple of use cases around Office 365. You know, that conversation goes goes pretty good for the network team. But then you start bringing in the security team and like, hold on, wait a minute. What do you mean you're going to have <laughs> those breaks? Hold yeah, on. <laughs> end users going directly to the Internet, my, my branches without me being able to inspect them and, and run through our security policies. Um, so what I think instantly what this does is it gives them the ability to, to bring that, that Office 365 or, or any SaaS application closer to the end user while still maintaining the regulatory compliance that they need as part of that security policy. So uh, that, that would be my, my first thought on that. Oh, awesome. And within the solution, there's actually gives you quite a bit of flexibility and security options, right? You can consume the security that's already native to the Cisco SD-WAN solution, like the Layer 7 firewall, the content filtering, or use the cloud on ramp for Colo to deploy a security VNF on top of that exactly. to maybe use a, a chosen solution for that. So. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, this is an awesome point. And what I can tell you is that it's not either or. 
because um, you, it's kind of like an onion, yeah. right? It has layers. Yeah. Um, so for the traffic that goes Office 365 and prefers the DIA circuit, then the security resident within the SD-WAN uh, branch router is going to take care of that. And that's the firewall, yep. IPS, yep. IDS, URL filtering, advanced malware protection, all kind of slew of security features. Um, and that could be segmented off into its own uh, VPN, which is a segmentation technology that we have. But then side by side, you can have a, a traffic that is destined to a corporate data center. And that could be um, something like a credit card transactions or some financial data or some any application that still resides in a corporate data center. And to segment that out, I can put this into a different VPN, which is a different bucket. Now, I can have a different policy for that other VPN. VPNs are not just for segmentation, they're also for policy enforcement. So VPN 1, take DIA, go to Office 365. Uh, VPN 2, go to the co-location facility and through service chain, just like you mentioned, go serviced through a physical, or not physical, but VNF, virtual firewall, um, that resides in the colo facility. So it's like slice and dice. Pick, uh, pick the enforcement point that makes the most sense. So I have a question. Um, you've addressed, both of you have addressed about uh, reducing latency, um, improving security and also about uh, policy enforcement, like improving policy enforcement. What are your thoughts about reducing capex with uh, cloud on ramp for Colo? Does that in terms of like is it going to increase so, capex? Or? How, yeah, how we can actually reduce? use that to reduce cap capex by going to a smaller footprint, a mm -hmm. smaller maintenance model. Because what we're really doing is doing what we've done in the data center with applications you know for the past 10 years we're taking those and virtualizing them from bare metal into this you know smaller footprint so this is the same concept where we're taking those different network and security functions or whatever function you can think of and putting it inside this smaller uh, footprint and using our resources for most effectively yeah I think what you said about the transition it, it's a good way to yeah. about that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense yeah. yeah, yeah, and I would just add too. You know, I've I've talked with enterprise customers that have security stacks at every location, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you start looking at at region at, at uh, being able to regionalize those stacks, that, thereby reducing the number of security appliances that they have at every location if they're able to go to that model. That's yeah. great. Yeah, so. precisely. Yeah, so hundred branches. Do I need a hundred firewalls? <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I do, if I need a firewall at every branch, then yeah. yes. But if I regionalize those, yeah. then I may need only a couple of them wherever the uh, those call locations are. Yeah, yeah, give us a call if you do need 100. <laughs> I would like to point out, you know, we've talked about the, you know, SD-WAN function and the security function. It's not limited to that. In fact, we're experimenting with putting things like a wireless controller or DNS servers or DHCP servers in these regionalized facilities that I can serve that out better to my users. So. Yeah, I, I, actually, it's a really interesting point. I want to add that we are not limited to just Cisco VNFs. Mm -hmm. um, the CSP platforms run uh, what we call NFVIS, which is the kind of a Cisco branded KVM based hypervisor. And uh, it's the same hypervisor that uh, runs on platforms like EMCS, the Enterprise Network Compute System, right? Um, so those are kind of a branch virtualization platforms. A little bit less beefier than CSPs from resourcing standpoint, uh, but it's the same kind of hypervisor that can run onto both. And we, uh, we make an effort to make sure that we're not just um, locked into Cisco services, not just the Cisco VNFs. So we've certified a slew of third-party uh, VNFs 
that if a customer decides that they want to use third-party VNFs at those uh, co-location facilities, they're more than welcome. Uh, if they use the ones that we have certified, obviously we will stand behind it. If they want to experiment and put something of their own, then you know, then partners can help. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, awesome. So do you think this is uh, going to help cloud adoption in any way? Because I, I know it's going to the cloud can be kind of a scary step for some people, and they're I, worried about the performance. I do. Um, you know, I think, I think it's interesting kind of where organizations, at least in my experience, uh, are at in their cloud adoption initiatives. A lot of them are spinning up VPCs in, in AWS or virtual networks in Azure and not necessarily thinking about it from a networking perspective, right? They're thinking about it more from a developer perspective and spinning up these applications and, and oftentimes they'll have hundreds of VPCs and then, and then it's the network team or, or maybe even AWS to try to figure out or Azure to figure out how that networking connects back to the corporate infrastructure and it's not always optimal, right? So WWT has, has recently, uh, this last year, stood up a cloud practice and a lot of focus on cloud connectivity and helping our customers optimize that experience. And uh, I think that it will help with the cloud adoption, right? If, if, if you start developing applications in the cloud and they have a poor experience, odds are you're going to move that application back to the on-prem, which will slow down the adoption. So I think if you can, if you can bring in the capabilities and the benefits of SD-WAN in terms of ensuring uh, optimal end-user experience for those applications, it will help with the cloud adoption. So. Right, and as much as we want to see everybody go to SD-WAN because we feel this is the kind of the most effective, efficient way of doing things, um, as far as cloud is concerned, and specifically the cloud service providers, um, there's other ways to connect to the cloud. Um, there's the private methods of connectivity. AWS offers something called Direct Connect. Um, Azure offers something called Express Route. Oh, that's, that's um, a good one, yeah. I'm yes, curious. so we, are, we, we think that uh, we're not trying to kind of compete with those. Uh, well, in some sense we do. <laughs> um, but um, there's kind of a two philosophies there. Uh, one, of the, one, the, one of the philosophies is the cloud on-ramp for IIS. Is it take my SD-WAN fabric and just using traditional broadband internet connectivity, just plug it directly inside the cloud, right? That's the first one, the over-the-top approach. But the second approach says, well, guess what? I still have uh, trust and faith in these private methods of connectivity. Um, I'm invested in those. I've deployed those. I may have some operational practices around those. I don't want to dismiss those. I just don't want to go over the top and that's it. So in this case, the cloud on ramp for co-location helps because co-locations is where those private interconnects actually meet. So if you get a direct connect uh, circuit, so to speak, um, from AWS, you need something to plug in there, and those interconnects happen at those exchange facilities, the carrier neutral facilities, the caller facilities. And if a customer has a presence in there using co-location, you know, cloud on-ramp for co-location, they can just plug the direct connect from AWS into that router, and basically that's not going to be an end-to-end an, an -end SD-WAN extended to inside the cloud, but it's going to get really close to the cloud. It's going to get to the co-location facility, which is one step away from the cloud. So um, it's not negating the, um, uh, the designs where customers have uh, decided to still leverage uh, private mechanisms of connectivity and they kind of can coexist together. And again, the co-location is the meet-me place between the SD-WAN and those private methods of connectivity. Yeah, I think a lot of customers are in the middle of a transition, right? Yes. And maybe this is like new to them, but they've already went down this path of having direct connects to a few colos. Exactly. So. So now you have multiple scenarios. The next site, am I going to put a direct connect or am I just going to use this, this on-ramp? Right. The way you can think about this private methods of connectivity is exactly like you have an MPLS on the internet. So before SD-WAN, 
everybody was pretty much banking on MPLS as the method of connectivity. This is it. This is the de facto standard for connecting things together, right? And when SD-WAN emerged, there's like, oh, guess what? There's alternatives. I can mix and match uh, MPLS with some public internet. So similar transition happens in the cloud as well. Um, I have private methods of connectivity, which is the direct connects and the express routes. Um, I can keep those, but or I can move away from those f and you know choose the over-the-top connectivity in favor of that. So that is very kind of um, analogous to uh, private MPLS and uh, public broadband and private interconnect and over-the-top uh, connection to the CSPs, right? Um, so some interesting interesting designs. SD WAN does not trial to kind of boil the ocean. Uh, I think we try to go at customer space. Um, if a customer wants to be aggressive and kind of jump uh, head first, uh, then sure. Uh, but if a customer wants to be more cautious and do this slowly, and just like you mentioned, uh, they may already be invested in private methods of connectivity, then okay, keep it. Don't uh, don't dismantle it, right? Yeah, I, I think I think what, you know everything that we just kind of talked about. It kind of illustrates how complicated multi-cloud strategies or multi-cloud architectures can be. You know, in, in a you know maybe in a minute overview there, um, but it, you know it's one of those things where uh, it gets complicated very fast. And if you don't if you don't set it up efficiently first, it can it can increase significant costs on your investment in the public cloud. And so you definitely have to factor in a lot of the the value that SD WAN offers in terms of adding that public cloud. Uh, into your Viptela fabric uh, versus trying to go over uh, some of the things around, I'm going to go to my private data center, then I'm going to have a direct connector or a, or a VPN into my public cloud into AWS, and I'm have another VPN into Azure or Google, um, or I, I leverage something like direct connect or express route, which incur, all those things incur different costs, right? Depends on the, how much application utilization on each one of those circuits. So definitely a lot of that goes into that. Those are the conversations that we're having every week with customers. So very, very complicated. So what's interesting is, uh, you know, we've talked about the SD-WAN integration, but the cloud on-ramp for Colo, it doesn't need SD-WAN to go there. So let's say it's a large organization that has to plan out that SD-WAN deployment. I can still place the cloud on-ramp for Colo in a Colo facility and get the benefit out of the virtualizing those network functions and use traditional WAN transport methods to get that uh, traffic there. Absolutely. Yes. In fact, uh, in, in the business unit, um, exactly to your point, uh, we are testing and we have tested different scenarios that um, are not just SD-WAN scenarios. We have things that, for example, remote access, um, people who want to just kind of VPN into the corporate network and where is that VPN server? Is it in a data center? No, we can regionalize it. That has nothing to do with SD-WAN. Yeah. And the connectivity into the caller could be an MPLS circuit. It does not have to be an SD-WAN circuit. Uh, obviously, um, because the cloud on RAM for collocation is managed by vManage, mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense <laughs> to yeah. have an SD-WAN because it's the same tool. Yeah. Um, but it's not a necessity. Um, it could actually be kind of the first step into adopting SD-WAN is putting this in a caller first. And then you like it, then go to the branches. Yep. And guess what? It's the same tool. You already have an infrastructure in place. And that follows the path for the transition hub that you right. talked about earlier. Yes, you know? exactly. Exactly. Yes. So some, some interesting, interesting designs. Uh, to your point, uh, Thomas, is that uh, um, some things are easy. And, and SD-WAN certainly tries to simplify things as much as possible. Yeah. But some things are not easy because they're just not easy. Networking is not, is not an, easy, an easy topic, right? Yeah. And an attempt to you know, oversimplify it uh, sometimes doesn't, doesn't quite work, right? We still need strong network engineers to, 
to be out there and understand the technology, understand how it works. And, and yes, there is GUI out there that allows you to maybe simplify some of the things that you shouldn't be, shouldn't be thinking too hard about. Mm -hmm. But the network expertise are, uh, are there more than, more than ever, needed more than ever, because networks are, networks are hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's always a fine balance between network optimization, security, and cost, right? You're always balancing those three things, uh, you know, as an organization. So uh, SD-WAN certainly helps with, with, with all of those. That was one of my questions uh, uh, yesterday. I forget what session it was, but with all the new certifications, yeah. I mean, does it still matter to, to learn the the core CCNA topics? Absolutely. Because there's, there's all this... Big buzzword. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With SD-WAN, I mean, it, it kind of abstracts a lot of the stuff that you would, mm -hmm. you know, have to really spend a lot of time on back in the day. You don't have to, I mean, this replaces, a, obviously, PBR who's doing that, but yeah. it's kind of skipped into the next generation. And Yeah, I, I definitely have an opinion on that. Um, oh, so Yeah, no, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> these two yeah, no, so a couple things. One, I really like that Cisco uh, updated their, especially their CCNP um, certification with a specialty in SD-WAN uh, for those who are, you know, looking to become certified in, in just that core specialty. Um, but when you, when you think about, um, you know, the, your original question on does it still matter to have, you know, deep knowledge of BGP and MPLS and all those things, uh, absolutely. Uh, you're going to be interfacing with those uh, protocols and, and understanding, especially, uh, you know, from my perspective, a lot of the conversations I have with, with enterprises um, uh, in various verticals, um, you know, they already have that type of a WAN and it's very complicated and, and they're, they're doing a lot of different protocols and designs today. Being able to have the conversation of where SD-WAN maps into that and how they would transition to SD-WAN is certainly a conversation I have all the time. Uh, but even if you're a Greenfield customer and you're looking to stand up a brand new WAN, that's still important to have those that, that fundamental, uh, you know, uh, at least to a certain level. Obviously, Cisco SD-WAN, you know, vManage does abstract a lot of the, you know, complexity in terms of what we used to have to configure with, you know, BGP, v VPN, V4, and all those things with MPLS, and and uh, very complicated, very fast from a CLI perspective. You know, a lot of that is abstracted in terms of you know how it works, uh, but it's certainly something you still need to know. But I also see this as the evolution of the network engineer, as yeah. we call it. I mean, very we're true. building these fabrics, right, that are very open systems where we're learning different ways of how to interact with these fabrics and, and better yet, put them together with other fabrics in other domains like in the data center or in the LAN or, you know, integration with other tools that are part of an organization like a ticketing system, change management. I think, uh, you know, for me, hearing some of the announcements on certifications, the biggest thing is the inclusion of DevNet and DevOps into that. I mean, you walk around DevNet here at Cisco Live and it's just crowded there. It's, it's great and exciting to see the evolution of where we're going and how we manage our network. So, Yeah, the SD-WAN certainly um, is a programmable fabric. Um, vManage comes with REST APIs and anything I can click on vManage, I can invoke through an API call, right? So it's a very fertile ground for DevOps uh, people who want to, um, you know, automate tasks on top of uh, vManage. It's a it's a ground for the service providers to have, um, you know, value-added services on partners have a value-added services and offer to their customers kind of a tailored service through the API integration between their OSS BSS systems and the vManage, right? So turning network from um, you know, box by box CLI based configuration into a programmable entity, a fabric. It certainly um, not just makes the operation simpler, but it opens a whole new slew of opportunities 
how to treat the network. That has not really happened in the enterprise networking space forever, right? We've seen this transition happen in the data center fabrics, um, and that's that's been we've seen this transition happen in some of the campus fabrics. But that's what Cisco is doing with uh, with SDA technology. But we haven't seen anything like that happening in the wide area network for 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 decades. Yeah, yeah, and and going back to your question in terms of you know just the relevance of the certification and the fundamental knowledge of WAN, um, you know, regardless of where an organization is in terms of their kind of their WAN evolution, whether they're adopting SD WAN or they're going to continue doing CLI for a while, it's an evolution. It's going to happen for everyone. It, ultimately, everyone's going to move to SD WAN. I feel like uh, at least a majority. Um, so you know, to to bring on new network engineers and to get them excited about the architecture, it, it, it kind of aligns with Cisco certification process. Engineers like to go through that. That certification process, get those fundamentals, wear that tag, and it directly maps to where organizations are kind of in their WAN evolution or yeah, their journey. There's just a, a space where I can see people rushing to learn this yeah. SD WAN yeah. and you know, without the fundamental knowledge yeah. of route switch and you have to earn that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was super excited to see the new certs. Um, definitely the inclusion of the development side into the infrastructure certs and then the other way the you know it's kind of 80 20 that way mm -hmm. and then 2080 adding a little bit of the infrastructure in the development certs mm -hmm. so it's kind of bridge me. that gap between yeah. the network engineer and the programmer yeah, yeah i'm a 15 years ccie so and i don't intend to give it up so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i pride myself as being a yeah. networking professional maybe ccie is not uh, as glorious as it used to be a couple of years ago but uh, networking skills are there networking skills are needed um, and anybody who says the networking skills are not needed because SD-WAN is going to make it all go away is just inaccurate. Well, that means a lot because you're on the SD-WAN team. That's, yeah, exactly. It's so cool to hear that. Actually. Well, I think this buzzword of CCIE Python started coming up like three or four years ago when I was kind of studying for the IE and then I made the leap to Python and programmability. So it's finally a reality. I mean, obviously the, the expert's not there yet, but they've announced that they will have a expert level... DevOps engineer, whatever that looks like, I'm super excited. So going for SD-WAN, um, what do you think are some of the biggest skills you can acquire to be awesome at SD-WAN? So I know we have the certification, but it's kind of like, well, what does it actually mean to be able to do SD-WAN? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a shot at that. I mean, uh, so, so <laughs> from my perspective, it is it does require a different skill set. Right, and, or additional, I should say, not necessarily different. It certainly has a need for understanding how routing protocols work, how, how users connect to different things in the, in the cloud or the data center. But you know, when we're starting to look at these solutions and how all these functions are coming together, I'm no longer just a network engineer. I have to understand how security works, content filtering, firewalling. I, I have to understand you know, as I get into cloud on-ramp for Colo, kind of how how do virtualization technologies work? Uh, uh, you know, if you're a network engineer and never heard of KVM, you're going to have to learn a little bit about that to, uh, you know, be most effective at it. So uh, um, I see it as 
not only taking what we already know, but we're going to have to expand our knowledge. And I think, uh, you know, career-wise for everyone, that's going to be great because we can now, you know, understand the network as a whole with tight end security, with DevOps, with, uh, you know, the network functions, the virtualization, really understand what it means to build an enterprise architecture. So Yeah, right. I would go back to, um, you know, what we just talked about in terms of, um, you know, the real-world experience, right? SD-WAN in a vacuum is, is something where Cisco's got a lot of training on. Like, you can go out and learn everything you can about all the Viptela fabric and the, the protocols it uses and how it works and ZTP and PMP and how all those things work in a vacuum. But I think where what would make you real, a really good, solid engineer is is how those things connect to the public cloud, how they connect into your campus architecture, understanding the connection points and understand how to optimize the fabric uh, as well and everything that, uh, that Bill just mentioned as well. Right. Yeah, and my recommendation is practice. Yeah. D-Cloud. Um, yeah. D-Cloud, yes. Oh, you um, if, you, if you want to understand how it works, um, obviously you can review Cisco Live sessions. We have, a, yeah. we have a plenty of sessions that we have delivered from introduction level to a deep dive level to hands-on labs. Right. Which yours so, from last year was awesome. And did, you, did you do it again this yes, year? Yes, we did tictorial um, this uh, oh, last yeah, so uh, Sunday. Yes, there's a hundred people who showed up for the tictorial. Deep Ooh, dive, eight nice. hours. All SD-WAN, anything you ever wanted to know about SD-WAN. <laughs> well, not really. It would have taken much more than eight hours. That's what you said last year. <laughs> I yeah, still believe I, in that. I never really you know, get fundamental knowledge uh, live, like learn a solution entirely. It's, it's like a sample it, it's, it's, Yeah, I get the appetizer, and then I go home. CiscoLive.com, like, I don't think enough people use that after Cisco Live. It's so, so huge. Oh. Because everything they do here is recorded. It's online. The presentations are out there. And that's when I really learn is when I'm at home by myself, it's quiet. Taking notes, got a cup of coffee. Yeah, Two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I'm more of a night guy. Thanks for that call out, Jeff. Um, you know, everyone does forget about CiscoLife.com. It's like we have so much information out there. Right, right. I can tell you one more resource that is interesting to go to. And we've seen this uh, have so much um, effectiveness. About a year ago, we have done a very extensive exercise. We kind of locked ourselves in a room for a week and we recorded a series of videos. We collectively call them the mastery collection. Oh, yeah. So if you go to the Cisco Learning and Development and you search for the mastery collection, um, a big chunk of it is publicly available to anybody who wants to learn. And it's an awesome resource. We have uh, received a lot of feedback from just like random people stopped me here at Cisco Live and just said, oh, I know your face because you've been on that video. So I was like, okay, that's a... That's you're a the one. Yeah, you're the one. So I know that people have been watching these things. I'm, I wasn't the only one. It was a really team effort. There was quite a few of us doing yeah. this. Did but you have a cape on? Uh, no, I did not. That, that's how I know you. That's how I know you. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I was just going to say, maybe a shameless plug for WWT. You know, we have a, a Viptela sandbox as well that has 22 VMs in it that are, it's by far our number one consumed uh, capability in the ATC, our advanced technology center, where we have, you know, three branches and a data center that anyone can go to right now, spin up a, a you know, complete Viptela fabric and get complete hands-on for three days oh, wow. uh, with corresponding lab guides and videos and all those things. It's, it's 100% free and available to anyone who wants to sign up for it. So. Excellent. Shameless plug there. Yeah, we take it. That's, that's going to be a fun way to learn SD. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Always reach out to Bill Thompson too if you have any questions. <laughs> His phone number is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> now we are going totally on. <laughs> All right. Um, this has been another great episode of Cisco Champions Radio. I want to thank all of you for joining Absolutely. us today and especially to Tom and Bill from Worldwide Technologies or WWT. Uh, David, thank you for all your insights. Um, and Jeff and Chuck, yeah. 
Thank you for hosting today's session. Absolutely. It was awesome. Check out this episode and other episodes on iTunes and cisco.com slash go slash CCR. I'm Teresa Sonal and I've played the part of today's moderator and I've enjoyed it. Until next time.